Welcome to Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. My name is Ray Schillens. F2F seeks to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and abilities while striving for the best academic achievements possible. F2F is designed to provide disadvantaged students in high schools, middle, and elementary schools with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music to enrich their lives and the lives of others in the community. Isn't that a wonderfully crafted mission statement? Yes. I think so, too, as well. Well done. Thank you, Gilbreth Communications uh, here in Houston. You know, I was doing some research here um, on our conversation uh, today with Vincent James and Joanne Perdomenico, um, and these are fascinating people. I mean, they, they love music, and they love to perpetuate and grow music. Uh, you have four children who are musicians as well. You could form a band, and you could do your own recording. It's a great idea. Uh, keep a music, keep music alive. And we're going to talk about a couple of things. 88 Ways Music can keep music alive. Okay, just to clarify that. Keep Music Alive, founded uh, by Vincent and Joanne in 2014. They believe every child deserves the opportunity to learn how to play music, and every adult needs to be reminded that it's never too late to start playing. Uh, and both, it's funny, Vel, because when you put this interview together, it's like, oh, I understand why we're all talking together here because you guys are living in a parallel universe uh, uh, all together and doing the exact same thing. But, but really, uh, uh, Joanne and, and, and Vincent, you guys are phenomenal. I mean, you did the TED Talk thing, and I have so many questions for you about what you're doing. You're in a suburb of uh, Philly called Brookhaven, uh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, that's uh, close to Bell's heart as well. Exactly. There. So we're talking to uh, um, very similar backgrounds and very similar people. But you really are doing the same thing as Faith to Form, F2F. And um, I have so many questions. First of all, Val, how you doing? Happy New Year. We haven't talked since the, uh, or have we talked in January? We did talk in January. Yes, actually, at the last uh, podcast show we did with uh, Larry Braggs. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, as well. But now here we are into February, and it's really, really cool to be talking to Joanne and Vincent. Um, again, Keep Music Alive, uh, 88 Ways Music. Just go online. Keepmusicalive.org is the is the website. That's the nonprofit for what they do. But what they've done is they put together 88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life. And, and another book, 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life. Because from what I understand... Joanne, you just did too many interviews and had way too many pages, so it was impossible to create just one book. You had to have two books, and I'm looking for the series to come out, uh, maybe on TLC. I think it's something that we should uh, look for. That would be but fun. You, you must have had a lot of fun doing this, and it seems that both of you have a passion for music and a passion for music in others. Talk about that, guys. Well, do you want to start with uh, I'll talk what you talked about with your TED Talk, how it all came about? We'll come back to the beginning. And thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Ray. Beautiful. And, and great talking with you and Bell here today. So if you go back in my history, you know, uh, I'm a lifetime musician, been writing songs, 
I've been I've owned and helped operate recording studios, played in bands, managed bands, put out my own records. Anybody remember records? Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah. And but I never felt like I was truly fulfilled. You know, I had a daytime job. You know, an engineering career to put food on the table, and I had this hobby hobby as you know my parents would call it my passion was music uh but i always felt that there was something more that i was missing and uh, and the funny thing is i actually left my full-time engineering job five times over a 10-year period trying to pursue music as a career and would always come crawling back because it just wouldn't work out uh but then about six years ago, I was listening to a teleseminar about how everyone has a book inside them they need to write. And honest to goodness, right? I never thought, what am I ever going to write a book about? I'm just, I'm not really an expert on anything. I'm good at a lot of things, but not an expert. But I thought, you know what? Let me just listen to this teleseminar and maybe, I don't know, something's calling me to listen. So I'm listening to it. And then in the middle, I have this bolt of lightning that comes down from above and says, what about a book of inspirational music stories? about how music changed people's lives. And we share that with the world to help more people get excited about playing music. And that's when I got extremely excited. I ran upstairs to talk to Joanne about it. And then a little while later, I, I rooked her in as a co-author. I'm like. <laughs> it's a good thing too, because I do a lot of the work. <laughs> She's not kidding. I'm glad that you're able to admit that. Uh, and this is more of a counseling session for you both, Joanne. <laughs> I think we've reached a breakthrough today at this point in time. So I'm oh. happy for both of you uh, acknowledging. You know that I'm going on uh, with my, uh, I don't know how long you guys have been married, but I'm going on, and you know this, Phil, uh, um, number 50, five zero, uh, coming up in March. Oh, my it Congratulations. And in, 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 in on an up. Tick, it's a, it's a very much positive, inspirational endeavor. The two people moved through life together and complement each other and help each other. So the fact that you're working together uh, on the book and on the uh, on the uh, endeavor here uh, with 88 Ways is uh, just natural. You know, that's something I, I would imagine that's something that's a bonding agent for a relationship as well. When you can sure. join uh, it, uh, together for something uh, like that, it's just uh, uh, a great deal. And, and and Vincent, you play keys. Do you play any other instruments as well? So piano is my main instrument. Uh, I like to say that I play guitar, but not in public. Uh, <laughs> I talk guitar I use that lie. at times. <laughs> and, uh, and I picked up the ukulele a few years ago when there was a, a program. Teen Kid News actually wanted me to come on and, and do a couple segments. And they said, can you bring a ukulele and play something? And at the time, a few weeks before the taping, I had never touched a ukulele. But I'm like, sure. So, you know, go get a ukulele and bring up YouTube and start trying to figure out. And I'm realizing, well, the fingering's all different than the guitar. So I got 30 yeah, that's years. that's a messed up thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 30 years of muscle memory that's out the window. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to play. And then I get up there for the broadcast. And then I find out that, oh, by the way, whatever you're going to play, it has to be public domain. <laughs> we found that out very, very short notice. <laughs> so there we are on our phones trying to find something that I, you know, remember by heart from kids, you know, we, we settled on this land is your land. This land is my land. That works. Is that public domain? I guess it is. It is. Yes. Yes. So that's a good thing. We need that for this podcast too. Good. <laughs> Check your copyright uh, at the door. Right. Yeah. You know, 
the ukulele is a good story. I, I uh, a couple of years ago, I got my, well, she was what, six years old at that time, um, mm-hmm. granddaughter, um, a Fender Telecaster ukulele. It was hanging on the shelf of the guitar center. It said, I got to have that for her. But all of the kids, um, all of my uh, children, uh, grandchildren and children, uh, they have music. I mean, I've got um, the, the Squire Strats for both my uh, granddaughter and, and, and my grandson. They've got these really cool little Vox amplifiers that are really superb. Oh, yeah. There's a drum set sitting in Josiah's room. A uh, new Yamaha keyboard, um, a whole bunch of stuff. So music is is very much a part of of what they do. But the uke is really cool. And by the way, Fender doesn't make a great uke. Okay, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not there are other not what they're known for. But I like the look of it because it looks like a Telecaster. It's kind of cool. Um, you know your book, your book, the eighty eight plus ways to keep a music alive uh, is all over the place and really, really neat. And it's a, uh, a series of stories about how music has affected people's lives and not just, you know, Joe Smith down the street or anybody. These are, uh, uh, these are uh, notable people. And I noticed a few, and it was also called the chicken soup for the music lover's soul. Uh, you have a foreword in the book that it was written by the, uh, the founder or the, the person who owns that. That's pretty cool that you have something like that backing you up. So it shows you're on the right track here. Okay. Right. Yes. But you know, these stories, uh, you've gathered so many, uh, as I said, you, you made too many for the first book. So you had to make another book and you're probably going to do it again one more time. Uh, How are you, was it hard publishing that book? Was it a tough thing to get the publishing out after you put everything down? Uh, was it, was it a tough thing to get it into the publishing world? So we actually self-published, uh, okay. through, through Amazon. Um, but Vincent actually did all of the uploading and formatting. So if, if you have questions, he can answer them. <laughs> okay. Well, you need to write a book now, okay? Yeah, I know. I've been told that just recently, too. So, uh, yeah, so there's another up. thing. Put that down on your to-do list, okay? Yeah, that's right. Got a bucket For list 2021. right here. <laughs> Put a release date down, and then we know when to remind you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll be bugging him constantly. You know, one of the people that you um, you interviewed is Mark King of Level 42, and I love level 42. I love that. I love Mark King. Mark King is a bassist, but he plays that funky bass right. with the lights on it and, it. and it has no headstock. Um, uh, Val, have you ever seen that Mark King with level 42? I think maybe once. It's been a while. Something, something about you is, is one of their big hits. Right. Uh, and he's so good. He's such an incredible um, uh, bass player and a musician. He's a, he's a singer as well. So what kind of story um, did Mark have to tell you guys? What kind of a story did uh, you get out of him? So that one's an oldie but goodie. I've only been thinking about the most recent ones in the new book. (laughs) Um, Well, recall that, Joanne. (laughs) What's that? Go ahead and recall that story. Yeah. So we, um, I remember reaching out to him along with a number of different artists and I, for whatever reason, I reached out to ones that spoke to me because of their music. And, uh, and of course, you know, Mark King was one of them. And, and I know he wanted to offer some guidance on, you know, what he was going to provide for the book. I think he was trying to decide whether to actually give us a story 
or to provide guidance, you know, whether it was for parents or for, you know, just the, the average musician. And I believe he went with the story about how um, one of the music therapy organizations there in, in the UK uh, used, uh, used music to help children with different types of issues, whether it be children on the autism spectrum or children going through various types of therapies. Um, and it's really short. And if you'd like, I can actually read it for you. I, I, I was just more interested in what, what, uh, what his response was. And I think it's really cool that somebody at such a high level is willing to say, Hey, I'm going to participate and contribute this book. So I frankly think I want people to buy the book so they can read the story themselves. How does that sound? I think it Thanks. was pretty exciting that, you know, all these wonderful contributors, were willing to provide, <clears throat> excuse me, a quote or a story, and re they really didn't know anything about us. We were nobody, and you know, we still are, but <laughs> um, but we were no one. You know, our name was not out there. People didn't know who we were, but they understood the mission. You know, right. we explained to them what we were doing, and at the time when we were doing the first book, we were donating fifty percent of the proceeds to music education, and now we donate eighty percent of the proceeds to music education and other um, music service nonprofits. So wow. I think that you know he felt the genuine desire for us that you know how much we wanted to be able to contribute, and by people like Mark, you know including their story that was going to make it that much more accessible or that much more interesting to people. And I, I think that's phenomenal. And just goes to show you, people are afraid to reach out sometimes to people. Oh, they'll never talk to me. It's like, yes, they will. Oh, yes, they I've will. Been there, yeah. done that. I can't even tell you how many no's that I've gotten. But one of the things that we like to um, think about, you know, in our own mind is that, you know, no, or silence doesn't necessarily mean no, and no might just might might mean for not right now, and because we've had that experience where we didn't hear from people, and then like all of a sudden, a long time later, we're connecting with them, or that they gave us a no previously, and then later on down the road, it's a yes. So you know, believe me, I, we've gotten shot down lots of times. <laughs> But, you know, I right. not take it personally because it's not about me. It's about all the the people that we're going to be able to impact with the book. Yeah. And, and obviously you're doing that. One other one, you know, if Dan Aykroyd wasn't uh, an actor, he would be a full-time musician. Yeah. And you guys engaged with him too as well. I yeah. bet he had a, a, a cool story to uh, to tell you as well. He actually, I believe, offered a quote. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a rather lengthy quote, but right. he offered a quote. And it, the funny thing is, you know, you talk about we had all these stories and we had to do two books. Well, in the beginning, we were the idea was just for the first book. And we, you know, put that out and over 100 stories. And then in our minds, we're thinking, oh, we'll do another book in a year or two. And then, <laughs> and then the nonprofit, Keep Music Alive, kind of took over our lives. And the book kind of took a back seat for a number of years. But Dan Aykroyd, we actually connected with him three or four years ago uh, when he offered a quote for us to to include in the next book. And we just finally, a month ago, got to publish finally with the, his quote with the 88 more ways music can change your life. That's so cool. I, he is so spot on. And, you know, he's involved with the, uh, the um, uh, what is the venue that I'm talking about? You played there, Phil. Uh, House of Blues. House of right. Blues he's, Foundation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
So he he and a whole bunch of other uh, great folks are involved in that as well. Gee, I wish Belushi was still alive. It, that was really so cool. Um, yeah. It's so sad that, that that he is gone. So you know, you talked about uh, that was an oldie but goodie with Mark and and and, and with Dan. Uh, more recent though, um, you had in your book laugh, cry, aha, oh wow moments. What were, what were some of the ones that made you laugh? Let's see. Oh, <clears throat> that one we didn't get to include, but we still wanted to include it. There was one where uh, the fellow would fall asleep in class, in his music class. Um, there, there was a gentleman who had submitted a couple stories, mm -hmm. and he works with the uh, Pickleberry Pie Hospital Concerts Organization. For kids. Visiting mm -hmm. kids in hospitals and playing music for them. And uh, he had a really adorable story that we ended up including. Um, but he had a second story that we're just holding, I guess, in the wings. It talks about how, you know, he was in class and the teacher came over and woke him up. But it's the way he told the story, if you can imagine, <laughs> so eloquently poetic. <laughs> I mean, it's it reads like butter. It's like so beautiful. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, we got we got to include this. But I'm like, but we really we like, don't have enough space. We really <laughs> But just he's had such a humorous, hilarious take. Perfect delivery on you know this experience. I'm falling asleep and how it happened and what happened afterwards. We just I, I died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about some of the uh, ones that made you cry? Who had the most uh, one that pulled at your heartstrings? Well, it's funny. Way in the beginning, uh, one of the first stories received was actually from somebody quite notable, and that was Simon Kirk from Bad Company. He's somebody mm -hmm. we had reached out to, and he's in the first book. And uh, he submitted a story, and I'll tell you, Ray and Val, when we first read that story, and even today when I tell that story, I tear up. And you get goosebumps. Uh, he talks about a situation where he was on stage giving a clinic in this crowded auditorium. And uh, if you like, I can tell the story, or we can hold it in reserve. But it's just really special Oh, what happened there and just kind of opened up your eyes. And was, I have to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. So he's doing a demonstration in the clinic over in the UK in a crowded auditorium. The lights are down. Uh, he's on stage all lit up and he can't really see out until the audience. And he's demonstrating different drums and different techniques. Uh, and as he's doing this, he's hearing a clicking sound coming from somewhere in, you know, around him in the auditorium. He's not sure. And, you know, the first he shrugs it off, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm a professional, I'm going to keep going, you know, pulls out right. different drums, different cymbals, different percussion instruments. And uh, again, the clicking keeps coming back as he's demonstrating these different drums. And after a while, uh, Simon's starting to get a little annoyed. <laughs> like, you know, here I'm up here, they're having me do this demonstration and who's making that confounded clicking sound? And, uh, but, you know, he keeps it together. He doesn't say anything on stage. And uh, he finishes his demonstration. And then at the very end, the house lights go up. And for the first time, he can see all the way to the back of the auditorium. There's a row of wheelchairs. And in the children sitting, holding wheel drumsticks in their hands. Children with muscular dystrophy holding drumsticks in their hands. And they've been playing with him the whole time. Wow. And it just changed his frame of mind instantly. His mm. heart fell out of his chest. He jumped off the stage. He walked to the back of the auditorium and he knelt down next to each one of them and held their hand and, and said, thank you. 
thank you so much for playing with me today. And wow. and and it totally changed, you know, the way he was thinking from, you know, I'm up there trying to do a clinic and, you know, and he's in so many words being disrespected, right? Because they're making all this racket in the background. But when he finally sees who it is in the background playing the drumsticks, mm-hmm. well, you know, crippled little hands, just barely holding on right. the drumsticks. He, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> it set him back and he, he had not been the same since because it really impacted him. him. Mm-hmm. Wow. As a matter of fact, um, Simon is going to be on our video podcast next week. Nice. Yeah, to talk about his story and upcoming projects as well. You know who I've always thought would tell an interesting story is Todd Rundgren. I love what Todd has done with um, uh, with music. You know, he started out to be kind of a weird, whacked out dude <laughs> with, the, with the makeup and with the odd look. Uh, but he has come so far. I've actually got a Spotify a playlist that I've created uh, for me. And uh, he's actually taken a lot of his songs and done unplugged uh, really cool laid back jazz versions of those things. But I bet Todd has a, has a good story to tell. We almost had a chance to meet him here in the Houston market. We built a, a high end studio uh, outside of Houston uh, and mimicked uh, Abbey road for that. And wow. uh, Todd, Todd was touring um, with a group of guys. There was a guy from, well, it was Christopher Cross, Mickey Dolan's Todd, a guy from Badfinger, a guy from Chicago, and a couple it's, of other people. That was probably Ringo's All Stars. No, it wasn't Ringo. Oh, no, it was a, a different one. A separate no. thing. A separate one, yeah. Wow. And what they did, they, they went ahead and played the, the 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 White Album, and they played it well and did a good job. But they were they came down to Dallas, but they never had a chance to come down to um, uh, to the Houston area. But we were going to record them uh, at this uh, new studio, and Bill has, Bill has been to that studio yeah, as well. Yeah, it's so cool. Great studio. Vintage Beatles equipment um, wow. and just a really, really great space. But I, I've always thought of, I would have loved to have met um, Todd. Uh, there's a there's a show called Daryl's, Live from Daryl's Place. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have the guitar strap. Speaking of buying stuff uh, <laughs> uh, from from that place. But he, he's been on there a few times as well. But he's just so good at what uh, what he does so i guess you guys maybe uh, have, you've not talked to him or, uh, yet. Oh, yeah. so we have an interesting connection mm-hmm. with todd in that uh yeah. for the first book right before we were about to publish you know we had decided we wanted to donate proceeds to three different music education nonprofits. so we're on google looking researching and one mm-hmm. of the organizations that came up was spirit of harmony which is todd rundgren's uh education music education nonprofit that he mm-hmm. and his wife founded Wow. And uh, so we connected with the executive director, Jean, and uh, become friends with her. And they, they received donations from us during the first several years of the book series. And we've now you know, moved on to select other beneficiaries. Uh, but so we're you know, really, very well connected with Jean and Spirit of Harmony. And Todd did agree to let us use uh, an excerpt from his Berkeley uh, commencement address a few years back. And, and nice. And he's also a Kids Music Day ambassador. For Keep Music Alive. Keep Music Alive. Kids Music Day. For our organization. Yeah, you're doing a lot of activities like that. If you go to the website um, uh, with the keepmusicalive.org, you'll see a lot of those photos. And you did one thing um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we have ties to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. Uh, Greg Harris is the CEO president there. And you guys uh, did something as well uh, at the Rock Hall of Fame, didn't you? 
Yes, we did a musical instrument petting zoo for Kids Music Day, and it was so much fun. They invited us to come up. We brought all of our instruments with us. Um, they put us in a location where it was a section where people did not have to pay admission to, you know, to get in as, as if they were going to see some of the exhibits. And yeah. it was wonderful. We had so many children, you know, and adults, you know, um, coming in. They got to play all kinds of instruments, such as, you know, different like acoustic and electric guitars. We had ukuleles. We had keyboards. We had oh, probably close to two dozen, two dozen different types of percussion. And um, it was so much fun. And we actually had um, a couple of the local School of Rock locations come in um, as volunteers to assist us. And they were actually mm. teaching children how to play instruments. And um, it was just so much fun. And the funniest part about it all was Vincent would be out there walking around playing his ukulele, just trying to get people's attention to let them know like, hey, come on over here. There's something going on. So. Yeah. They would come in with their, you know, some adults by themselves, but mostly, you know, families, people with children, they would come in, they were like dragging the kids out because the, the parents wanted to go see the exhibits and then, you know, the kids, some of them kicking and screaming, but anyway, they would go and they would see the exhibits and then they would come back. And as soon as the kids were in with an eye shot of the musical instrument petting zoo, they zipped right off to where they were. And the parents were like chasing, <laughs> chasing them down. <laughs> so much fun. That's a, that's such a great place too as well, uh, just to be there. And and they're doing so many things. You know, they, they projected that wasn't supposed to be. Uh, that was uh, Norm Knight, who is a radio personality from uh, New York, uh, and he writes the historical books about uh, rock and roll and music and such. He was instrumental, along with of all people, Leslie Gore, in getting the Rock Hall of Fame to be in Cleveland, Ohio, because. Really? Wow. Yeah. They didn't uh, they didn't want to put it there. They well, we're, now we're gonna put it in a brownstone in New York somewhere. It's gonna be fine. That'll be there. It's like, no, no, no. You're talking about Alan Freed. Yep. And you're talking about the epicenter of where rock came from. So it's gonna be in Cleveland. And the projected income was so low for that, they have surpassed that thousands tens of thousands of times it is a big revenue generator for and it's a uh, super cool uh, building with so yeah. many exhibits um you know it's like it's great to have a membership because you can go back because you know some of the exhibits they change every year or so they rotate um you know and mm -hmm. some the same but you know for the majority of it, a lot of it changes and it's it's just so incredible it's such an educational experience in so many different ways you know everything from learning about you know the history of music to um, the, the different performers of past times up to even, you know, more current, you know, they, they really display so many different genres of music. It's so educational and it's so much fun. Yeah. It's fun. It, 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 yeah. It's great. You, you guys are having so much fun. You don't work for a living, do you? It's not even, it's just, not work. It's no, fun. it's not work. That's, right. that's why when people complain about work, it's like, man, I've never worked a day in my life. What are you talking about? I'm having a fun time. You know, Val, thinking about that as well, and this is kind of an off offshoot of that, but that's something we ought to look at for F2F um, to get into the Children's uh, Discovery Museum uh, and maybe do uh, a petting zoo of sort, or, you know, an instrument petting zoo for, for kids. And that would be something that we can look at here uh, in the Houston market. The, the Children's Muse Discovery Place is at a fascinating place where mm -hmm. kids do and see and touch. But when I think about that, I'm and I'm and I'm looking at you, Vincent, and you like me, haven't been to the 
uh, Barbara in a while. Because <laughs> maybe you just wear your hair that way. I don't know. I'm uh, it's, it's not. It's no, how are you guys doing? One. I'm not Say a what? Dresser. <laughs> I don't no, I no. want to either. So, but yeah, he definitely needs a haircut. No, he doesn't. No, 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 no. Leave it alone. It's looks good. Don't you don't do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so COVID-19 has certainly entered the picture for last year and into this year as well. And, uh, you know, we're, we're slowly but surely uh, changing and, and uh, finding a way to adapt and, 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 and move through it. But has that been, I mean, let's look at back at 2020 for you guys. What, what was the year like? Had to be a bit of a challenge, huh? Well, it's funny. Uh, the sixth annual Teach Music Week was happening right in the middle of March. It's the third week in March every year. And this is where we partner with music schools and music stores and musicians everywhere to offer a free lesson to new students, which kids and adults trying to get them started on their own musical journey. So right as we were coming up to Teach Music Week and we had all our advertising, all our marketing out, press releases, the world was crashing down with COVID. Mm -hmm. Things were closing up and, you know, for good reason. And uh, many of the music schools that were normally going to offer free lessons that week, you know, they were panicking, just trying to pivot in an instant to serve their current students to moving to virtual lessons. So that was definitely an impact. And then by the time we got to Kids Music Day, things had I don't, I don't want to say improved, but people had figured out kind of how right. to do it. Mm -hmm. And most music schools and stores had gone to either virtual or hybrid models. And we definitely had a really great participation there. Over 1,100 music schools in like 16 different countries participated mm -hmm. by holding some sort of event or promotion that benefited or celebrated kids playing music. One of the coolest ones was an idea that a, a school sent in and they said, well, we have this idea that we would like to do and we hope you will approve it. It was so funny. They decided to do a drive-in concert for for their their school, and they basically it was like every other parking spot, you know, mm -hmm. a car could you know drive in, and you know the, the kids up on the uh, on the stage had their masks, and um and it was it was such a hit, you know, and so we put it out there, and everybody was getting excited. We're like, oh, we need to do that, and we need to do that, and we need to do that, you know. Between that and like the musical instrument petting zoos that would normally be done became musical instrument show and tell. Because, you know, you can't have people coming in and touching all your stuff, right, during COVID. So they became musical instrument show and tell. And so, you know, different schools did that. And it was virtual. So people all around the world, you know, could participate, you know, chime in, look in and see what's going on and learn. You know, we had um, a location in Uganda and um, they actually did little mini performances by the children just so that other people could see, you know, how different instruments sound. Right. It was just, you know, I, I, the transition was just really incredible. You know, even though it was from March until October, so many people were able to adapt in the most incredible ways. And, you know, so many children did not suffer the loss of music because the different music schools and stores and organizations were being, you know, um, innovative. And they were just really just making sure that children had the access to the music so that they could continue. Because, you know, during COVID, especially with these kids being stuck at home to not have music, can you imagine how hard that would be not having music, especially when it's something that you look forward to on a weekly basis? I've said that so many times over the last few months, was working with kids, because uh, I also teach. Uh, private piano lessons mm -hmm. and I'm doing it online with most of them. There's only a couple that I'd actually go visit with masks and so forth. And, but it's amazing to 
see how they light up because of being able to do something musically and you know they're learning so it's not like they've been playing piano for the longest time but they're learning how to play and as they learn we talk about various things uh it was just uh i think a day before yesterday uh, one student was having a little difficulty trying to get through the song and i said well that's because you're not practicing enough well i'm so busy i've got so much work i have to do i yeah, said right. well i understand but if you can just take 15 minutes a day just to play something you like, it doesn't have to be what you're working on. You can go, always go back a couple pages and play a song that you like and, you know, just ha have fun. Just feel good. Right. But if you don't practice, i got to talk to mom and dad. Said, Why? <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to have to tell them no more cookies, no more ice cream. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> well, just 15 minutes. And one little kid put me out yesterday. <laughs> it was funny. Really? <laughs> because I mentioned to his mom, I said, well, you know, I had another student and I recommended if he wasn't practicing that maybe, uh, you know, just take the cookies and ice cream away. And he's wow. just standing there listening. He wasn't saying anything. <laughs> so mom said, yeah, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. Maybe we'll do that. And he said, okay, bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a little six-year-old or seven-year-old. I said, okay, you're telling me to go. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> you know, the good news is, in spite of the pandemic, things uh, life goes on um, for many things. You know, just to re here in Houston, we had the uh, the rodeo uh, has canceled. The, the Houston yeah. Livestock Show rodeo is a big deal in Houston. It's the world's biggest rodeo. Yeah. Ain't happening this year. And I would assume Val, talk a little bit about uh, some of the changes in the way you approach things as it relates to F2F uh, the, from a connectivity of uh, COVID. What are things uh, been different there? Well, it's actually been really nice because we've been able to still operate our programs from a virtual standpoint. Yeah. And people are gravitating to it because they're already online. So it, it just works out where we're able to do what we do. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned a uh, rodeo because I, I think I mentioned to you, Ray, a uh, day for yesterday, I had a chance to meet an actual cowboy who has been participating in the rodeos. And he's a former musician as well. He's a country western singer. And uh, he's got a, a museum. It's called the Black Cowboy Museum in Rosenberg. I'd never mm. heard of it, didn't know anything about it. And yeah. he gave me a nice tour. And while I'm taking the tour, I'm seeing pictures of him holding his guitar. And then he said, oh, by the way, I got a video here, too, of me and my band playing. I said, wow. So we connected, of course, real quick over that. And uh, he's got uh, tours that they do with students as well of the museum. And uh, we're looking to do some uh, fun things in the future. I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, Johnny Nash used to live in the Houston market as well. Uh, and he actually had a rodeo place uh, to the west of Houston here, a little performance kind of a thing. Uh, I can see clearly now. Good old mm. Johnny. Yeah. He just recently passed away as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but so, so F2F in 88 ways continues to grow and exactly. prosper. You have, you know, one thing I noticed, uh, you guys, with, with your stuff, you had some really uh, important uh, support uh, from the industry. Uh, the Les Paul Foundation, Casio, Remo, and, and a whole bunch of other folks as well. That's an important thing. Was that a tough thing, getting uh, the funding for your idea? Because who wants somebody to come into your office and say, I got a great idea. Can I have about 10000 bucks because I need it? <laughs> so, well, how would that go for you guys? Well, it's 
Les Paul Foundation is one of two organizations that have been able to donate to us, you know, financially, right. along with along with Music Nomad with their One for Music program. The other entities you see there, they connect with us as promotional partners where they will help to share our message of what we're doing with their audience. And we, in turn, are able to include their logos and information on what we're doing. So it's a reciprocal relationship there. And it wasn't too hard in the beginning, honestly, to get most of them to agree to do that because they see what we're doing and that it helps support literally what they're doing. And you know, once they realized we were for real and, and and we probably didn't have that though in the beginning, the first one, two, three years, you know, we didn't have those connections. But once we got up to, I think, the third year, that's when we're like, you know what, we need to start reaching out to some of these organizations, uh, music organizations and companies because, you know, we're kind of have so much synergy already. And we know some of them are going to want to be involved, even if it's at a minor level. And we've been so grateful to get, very to, know, to get the support that we're getting because it's helping to let us reach more people. Yeah. And it sounds, give me, uh, surprise me with something uh, cool that's coming up this year for, for 88 Ways. For 88 Ways, well, we well, are. So we're. I'm, I'm curious to know what she's thinking, and she's curious to know what I'm thinking. All so, right, get so ahead. one of the things we had talked about. We're talking about this, guys. You can get together. No, come on. Uh. Well, one of the things we had talked about, and it was even before we published the, the second book, um, 88 More Ways, um, was that we wanted to do a combination book tour and musical instrument petting zoo. Um, but we kind of had to put that on hold because we don't really know, you know, what is going to happen this year so we're mm -hmm. taking it day by day but um you know we're hoping that by the time kids music day rolls around in october the things will be better than what they are so that there are things going on publicly so that we can you know be with the children expose the children to the musical instruments and then we also wanted to do something where um with with the book where we have different people that are in the book perform Ooh, that's cool. Tour slash concert slash instrument petting zoo. Now you got my attention. And by the way, while I have oh. a moment here, I'd like to say thank you very much for allowing us to put our story oh. in the 88 More Ways uh, book because uh, it's, it's been really a big blessing for our organization and also for the students that are now being more aware of it. Uh, yeah. I've talked to quite a few parents who... Uh, didn't know that our story of one of the kids we helped here in the uh, local area was actually in a book now, and it's on Amazon. They're like, what, really? They said, yeah, well, you know, this is what we do, is to help kids and help them in a way where they can have a music instrument so that they can grow from it. I'm actually going to deliver an instrument to a student today. Uh, her really? parent... Um, Actually, there's two two kids. Uh, one is uh, nine years old. And I think the other one is six. Uh, the six-year-old wants to play guitar, so I sent Aww. him a couple of videos of some friends of mine, uh, Steve Lukather in particular, and uh, he loved that one. So he <laughs> wants to now just play guitar. I said, well, let's start with a little piano first just so he can get some basics. Basics, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's doing okay with it, but um, they've needed a new piano because the um, – Mom has had some financial difficulties along with the parent, uh, the husband as well. And uh, I think he suffered from some medical uh, problems. So mm -hmm. they uh, are kind of separated to an extent because of his job having to work at a you know, different location where they live. 
And uh, the mother said, you know, we've got this little piano here and I wanted to have my daughter learn, but the piano's got some broken parts on it and it doesn't work completely well. Well, F2F received some donations from uh, an artist recently of keyboards. So I said, well, look, I, I'll tell you what, I'll uh, meet with my board. We'll get an approval to be able to actually get you a piano. And she said, oh, my God, that would be great. I said, well, do you have a stand? She said, well, I think so. And she went looking for it and couldn't find it. So I said, oh, don't worry. So I went and bought a stand the other day with a bench, and I'll be delivering it to them today. Aww. So That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a heart-wrenching moment as well to see the kids see something brand new come in. Yeah. And it could, yeah. Wow. So you're now working for Amazon now? Is that what you're saying? Am I deliver? working for <laughs> <laughs> Personal delivery service by F2F. I'm just asking. Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad that they're they're building a distribution center here in the area. Yeah. Uh, Amazon is, so that's going to be very helpful for jobs for people as well. And uh, yeah, very exciting. And your orders will show up. Amazon will be delivering everything we can sell. Yeah, we'll bring some more books here too. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we're waiting on another order of books. Ourselves. Are you okay? Well, good. Uh, just. Uh, Keep your ring doorbell on. They'll be there. No problem. <laughs> I'll let you know when it arrives. That's you guys right. are doing a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, really, and these books are great. 88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life. 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life. Um, it, it, it's amazing. You go online. Just Google it, uh, and you'll find them. You'll find the Keep a Music Alive uh, org and what, uh, what that is going on. And the same thing with F2F Music Foundation, as you, as you well know here uh, in the Houston market. Both of these things remind me of, you ever plant a garden, like a summer garden in the back, and you watched it sprout, and then you watched it grow? And then the next thing you know, you've got way too many jalapenos and cucumbers. Sharing <laughs> yeah. with neighbors. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good thing. And both of you are doing... Um, uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, parallel things for uh, for children. I, I saw uh, Long Long on uh, uh, Fallon last night on the Tonight Show, and he, he's so good. We've been working with the Houston Symphony here for the past uh, twenty five years. We do their uh, radio and TV commercials uh, for them. And one of the toughest things about uh, getting an answer from the marketing department from the Houston Symphony is how do you perpetuate um, the audience, because it's, um, you know, you're looking at this, there's a lot of gray hair in the audience mm. and gray hairs have a tendency to go away after a while. What do you do to perpetuate new? And I've never had an answer given to me is, Oh, we don't know. We don't know. We just promote concerts. We try to be more youthful. We try to be more impactful, but frankly, the way to promote things like the Houston symphony or the Cleveland orchestra or anybody is by engaging the young people in doing that stuff. Yes. Because if they're going to do that and they're going to get engaged, they're going to get interested, and those are the people that are going to take the places of of the, the grain blue hair type folks that are sitting in the seats right now. That's right. So but that's what you guys are doing. That's what F2F is doing as well uh, on so many different levels. One of the things that I really like, uh, and you, I can see it behind you only because we're doing a video thing, but it says... Music can change the world because it can change people. And that's a really pro profound statement. What does that mean to both of you, Joanne and Vincent? Um, 
Well, I'm going to say, I'm keep it really short, is that <clears throat> music has been very important to me. Technically, I'm not a musician, but it's been there for me from a very, very young age. And I strongly believe that if I didn't have music in my life and the different ways that I had it, I probably would have, you know, gone down a wrong path. And, you know, music was that important to me, not as a musician, but as the recipient of music and knowing, you know, how it makes you feel and how it can get you through the most difficult times in your life. So for me, if I didn't have music, I don't know where I would be today. I don't know what kind of person I would be today. And I feel like I'm, I'm a good person. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it has to do with, with having music in my life during my most difficult times. Very good. Vincent, is she a good person? Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> music is one of the music is the one thing in my mind that reaches deep inside a person and touches them at a level that really nothing else can. You know, it doesn't matter the language, the culture, you have the energy coming through musical sound penetrating your body and you're feeling it, the melody, the rhythm, the the chords underneath, the texturing, and it touches you in a very special place. And I don't know, we can't really explain it. And music does great things for the brain, yes, but it touches you in your heart and soul and really brings out a better you. I That's very well said. I love the fact, and Phil, what, what, you're doing this, we've talked about this before, but just give me a... Uh, a couple of sentences on the feeling that you have for F2F and, and how you feel it's going and what you anticipate and why you're doing this thing. Yeah, well, basically now uh, it's been more of a give back uh, situation for me because of what I experienced growing up uh, with a mother who was a tap dancer and an acrobat. And she told me uh, when I turned 10 years old, you're going to learn how to play a music instrument. I said, really? She said, yes, because I said so. You're going to learn how to go, okay, mom, great. And once I started, it just attached to me like a magnet. I said, gosh, this is great. I love it. I'm, I'm, I, I just want to play all the time. And just so happened while I was in high school that a uh, guy came up to the schoolroom, uh, classroom door, basically. I, was, I think I was in history class. I didn't recognize him, but I did recognize the police officer and the principal that were standing next to him, and they were looking at me through the glass. Uh, uh, no, I am in class. I didn't cut. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and they opened the door and said, oh, we'd like to talk to uh, Mr. Lewis, Bell Lewis. Could you come out, please? Said, oh, no. What happened? Mm -hmm. And once they got out, of course, I'm expecting some bad news. And they said, no, we'd like for you to do a TV show with a couple of your classmates here in school. And it turned out the guy that I didn't recognize was Stevie Wonder's business manager. Wow. Wow. How he found me, I never it could imagine. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was because he came to the school looking for some musicians to be able to play together. And I guess he had known about the other two musicians, who was uh, Jerry Brown. He's a fantastic drummer and has played with. Stevie Wonder has played with Lionel Richie, has played with, he's still playing with Diana Ross right now. And then uh, John Lee, the bassist that was also in my school. Uh, John Lee now uh, carries Dizzy Gillespie's uh, band on the road and has been playing with Dizzy Gillespie uh, you know, years uh, prior to his uh, passing as well. 
So having the opportunity, uh, as I've worked in school district of Philadelphia for about five years, working with kids in Title I schools, uh, doing a reading aid, uh, teacher aid uh, position, I got connected to kids because of seeing how they suffer in various ways. In a lot of cases, emotionally, uh, some cases physically as well, but uh, primarily uh, from an emotional and spiritual standpoint, which I thought I might be able to help. And I found that the more that I talked to kids, the more they gravitated to me as well. So I said, well, this is something that I think I need to expand on. So once I moved here to Houston, my goal was to set up a nonprofit organization where I can get other corporations and businesses and philanthropic entities to see how music is so important to kids growing up, not just have a hobby, but from an academic standpoint, it helps their mentality when it comes to focusing and you know, just concentrating on work. Uh, school work and so forth, and it helps get the grades up, plus they're having fun doing it, and they can have a career with it if they have some help. So someone in my capacity who knows a lot of people, and I'm also connected through the uh, Grammy organization here in Texas, have been a member from California as well, and have a lot of friends who are national recording artists. If I can get all of us together and give back to these kids as well, so that if they want to play an instrument in their career and move on, that we can mentor them and help them get through college, definitely get the college degree, but also have the opportunity to play music, even if it's just in a band or whatever, until you get to a point where you want to start composing music and recording, then we can help you. And it's been proven that it's working. Uh, Ray, I didn't tell you this just a couple days ago, one of the students that we've been working with at Willow Ridge High School reached back to me because we had given him a trombone and he said, uh, I reached out to him to ask him, how's the trombone doing? Oh, Mr. Lewis, this is great. And he said, matter of fact, um, I'm playing it every day and I plan to audition with it uh, to Prairie View University and I think he's at Jones College, he's uh, set up auditions for them. Wow. And I said, wow, that's very cool to hear that. Um, and of course, I, I got emotional over that because I said, wow, I, I've given this young man a way to see future now, to move forward in the college with an instrument that we've given him from F2F. Wow. So, powerful. Yeah. Wow. Well, good things are happening here, folks, aren't they? Yes. Yes, yes, they are, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, Joanne and Vincent, uh, uh, so so well done, and Vel, the same thing with the F2F Music Foundation as well. It's 88 plus ways music can change your life, 88 more ways music can change your life, and 88 more, and <laughs> so on and so forth. Uh, you guys are fun. Keep doing what you're doing, okay? Thank you. And go ahead and put your day jobs. Wait, you don't have day jobs. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and there you have another podcast. We ran a little bit long, but I think the conversation was well worth it. This is Faith Deform, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. I'm Ray Schillens. Thanks for listening.